So, uh, the mission. They are at this giant publicity gala. Um, there's a lot of, like, it, it's a big event. Um, yeah. There are a lot of people there. They have, like, hired music and catered food and this big award ceremony, um, which really speaks to how big the sharing is in this city, which is scary mm-hmm. in its own right. Um, and so Jake and Axe are humans. Um, Jake is sitting with his family. Axe is kind of wandering around being a menace to all the food, uh, specifically this the is- cotton candy. <laughs> It's such a good fuck of it we hear about. Like, cause the other kids are all there as flies. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense. It's the easiest to be subtle. But then there's just like, they're just like, Tobias realizing what's going on. And let me be fair, that's not the worst thing that Axe does with food <laughs> in this mission. Um, but him, like, yep. I think we get this. I just like, are you sure you want a third one? <laughs> um, just acts walking around like with his face like with a cotton candy beard where it's stuck on his face it's just mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. good shit uh and uh marco falls into the chocolate fountain because he wanted to try to see if it would also taste good through a fly mouth um and <laughs> that's so relatable because to be fair i would probably also try to do i would that. probably also try that i would be a, probably a little bit i wouldn't land like on the lip of the chocolate fountain probably but probably not um but he but, yeah but axe then has to fish him out yes and decides to do so first by shoving his whole ass hand in there yep nearly drowning marco like pulling him out in the process just like please don't eat marco please don't mm-hmm. eat marco <laughs> And then it's just like Tobias just like, you know, Axe, grab a piece of strawberry and like dip him out. <laughs> and it's just this beautiful yep. chaos happening. Yes. Uh it's just very good. Yep. And the best and part very is funny. is Jake like vibrating out of his skin next to his family. Like I can't do yeah, anything. Just, I just have to listen he, to all of this. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um but shit gets real. Um because Visa 3 shows up in his uh scary human morph mm-hmm. um being all like charming and giving off the aura of uh just terrifying comes up mm-hmm. to Jake and family and there's this heart-stopping moment where Cassie in fly morph uh lands on Jake's forehead after getting mm-hmm. like disorientated and Visa 3 goes to squash her or grab her, and Jake just grabs his wrist. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, this is sick. This is cool as hell. <laughs> I, said, oh, I got mad at Jake earlier, but this, the visual of him just, like, grabbing Visa 3's wrist. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's just very good. Yep, and Cassie so, relays like, their just little like, conversation. Oh, allow, allow, allow me to, uh, and Jake just like grabs him, just like, and Tobias like, Cassie, move, move, move. And then, uh, in like that parallel of the interaction between Chapman and Eric, like mm-hmm. people playing their parts, um, Jake releases the visitor's hand, he smiles, the visitor smiles, or at least they form their mouths into smiles. 
And yeah, Cassie does relate to the others. The visitors told Jake he hoped he didn't scare him. Jake said, I don't scare easy. <laughs> um, just good, good shit. Yep. And then Jake gets up and he's like, all right, I'm, I'm done sitting here. Axe, mm-hmm. let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we have the exploring section happening. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not a whole lot of consequence here. Um, no. Um, but, what do we get? Um, Jake breaks a hole, like breaks a window, uh, mm-hmm. in the new community center. Um, just like timing it within the music mm-hmm. and, um, very Shawshank Redemption. And Tobias like dives in, um, like perfectly getting through the broken window without like taking damage. And it's just him exploring this, um, community center and it's everything you might expect to see there's a pool um get playrooms we get this reference about how it's hard flying indoors um but it's also kind of fun mm-hmm. um <laughs> like practically runs into axe it's not mentioned how axe got in <laughs> we could have been a fly or something i guess uh either way um, it's like you didn't want to be maybe a less provocative morph. Eh, maybe, but I felt a strong, fast tail might prove useful. Um, Axeman, we're not here to win. We're here to let me be captured. True, and yet there is no reason why I cannot do some damage merely by way of adding authenticity and realism. <laughs> um, one, love this. Two, and this is not the f- only time this happened in the book. I was touched. He was worried about me. Mm-hmm. Tobias, they're all worried about you. Yep. They all care about you, my guy. Yep. Hey. Um, but they find a section of the center down in the basement that's roped off, mm-hmm. uh, with an under construction sign. Promising and trouble is how it's determined as looking. <laughs> but they encounter like a bank of monitors down there behind a partition. There's a guy watching the screens. Um, they realize somebody else is there's a break room with just four Hulk Bajir sitting around <laughs> playing cards. Uh-huh. Which is just an incredible visual. Because we do have them opening the door. We get that description. Just, Let's try a different door. Close the door again. Which is the kind of Scooby-Doo-esque comedy I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that felt so contrived. I was like, is there a projection going here? Like, is this just what they want us to see? But like, no, it's better if it's actually happening. Yep. Um, but they end up hiding under a table. I think it's yep. a table. They hide, they end up hiding under somewhere because like a security guard's approaching. Um, uh, but they don't want to cause a scene yet. Yep. So, um, they overhear this conversation between these controllers about, uh, how Visser 3 wants every fucking animal out of this area, and they're like, yeah, we, th- th- it's impossible to keep animals out of an open air event. I don't know what he's smoking. Um, and, uh, the, the dude who's watching the monitors has been ordered not to look away from the monitors on pain of death. <laughs> um, and just, it, it's a tense little scene because they're literally hiding under a table right next to these guys. Um, but they notice that, uh, one, uh, one set, like 
one bank of monitors is looking just at a nearby playground. And one of the controllers that they're overhearing talks about like how he's got this wood chip stuck in his shoe um, and it's painful. Uh, so they put the pieces together like, oh, so the secret Yerkpool entrance that we've been told is probably here at the community center is probably out back at that playground. Uh, so they go there and they watch a few different controllers, like enter in a little code and then go in through like a, a tunnel. Like a, it's described as a kitty tunnel. It's, it's just, it's just a ton, like the big silicon concrete tunnels that you stick on the ground and you just run through um and which to be fair it's a really dope way to hide a, uh, an entrance quite frankly i dig that quite yeah. a lot mm-hmm. uh all the other kids show up and they're all just like watching now mm-hmm. and we get some cool managers like okay so that's a trap right oh yeah definitely a trap and the situation like you can get sucked in if you don't put the right code in or something like the different door will open there's definitely a vibe there that this is while a functional door also has been designed to be a trap yeah because they the yurks have have been infiltrated by the animorphs uh, a few too many times for them to just leave a yurk pool entrance un unguarded essentially the fact that it's like this does feel like a delightful amount of like overkill mm-hmm. um I mean, I like it, to be clear. This feels very funny and good to me. But, uh, yeah. So, they watch a few controllers do this, and then they kind of spring into action. And the action is essentially that Axe runs by an Andalite morph so that they see an Andalite, and then Tobias tries to follow a controller, like, fly in right after a controller into the Yerkpool entrance, with Rachel uh, down in his feathers. And, I mean, their their plan kind of works. They spring the trap. Axe presumably gets away, but he, he, he just runs off and people chase him. And Tobias gets into this Yerkpool entrance area. And um, we have this really sweet scene just before things kick off between Rachel and Tobias where uh, Jake asks if Tobias is ready and Tobias is like, I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, I'm ready. And Jake asks Rachel if she's ready and she says, me? Who do you think you're talking to? She feigns surprise at the question. Bring on the ambush. But I heard the struggle in her voice. She was masking concern. Why? Rachel never worried, at least not about herself. Tobias, she said softly in private thought speak. What is it? Do you want out? No, of course not. It's not that. She paused. Listen, um, you take care of yourself. I mean, be careful, okay? Whatever happens, if it comes down to it, save yourself and forget the stupid mission. I smiled inwardly. She was concerned about me. If I had been human, looking into Rachel's eyes, feeling her next to me, I might have. But she was a fly on my hawk body, which was good. I could keep my cool. A hawk's feelings aren't exactly visible to others. I will, I said simply, then added, I have a lot to lose. My heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobias, my dude, people care about you. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this. People mm-hmm. care about you. Um, but, uh, yeah, they get in and, uh, 
Rachel and Tobias are immediately confronted by like three dozen Hork Bajir, um, plus Chapman, plus a human girl who seems to be a few years older than Rachel, but also looks surprisingly like Rachel, like beautiful, long blonde hair, very fashionable clothes, thin, tall. Um, and, uh, this person, uh, reveals herself. Subvisor 51. (laughs) Subvisor 51, uh, says that she is, uh, she's talking to Chapman a lot. Chapman is obviously extremely nervous to be around her. Um, because apparently she is essentially second in command in this part of space under Visser 3. And uh, there is a a brief moment where Tobias like tr- tries to fight. He knows he knows it's futile because it's three dozen Horkbajir versus a bird. Um, but he has to do it for you know the hashtag image. Uh, but she like hits him with her arm, and it's revealed that her entire right arm is a prosthetic. Um, and like knocks him down to the floor. He's dazed. Uh, and he begins to demorph, quote unquote, demorph into Andalite. Um, because there's no reason for him not to, you know, he acquired the Andalite in order to trick them into thinking that he is an Andalite in a hawk morph. So it makes sense that he would try it. But of course, like he's in front of all of these. <laughs> Bashir and also this person, um, Taylor, she introduces herself, which is weird because, like, usually Yerks don't call themselves by their host names. Um, and she releases this, like, it's not a gas, it's like a, a, a particulate, a very fine particulate that she releases in a spray that hits, like, Half of the Hork Bajir and also Tobias. And it's a, a paralytic. Um, and. Oh, it does hit Chapman too. <laughs> it does also hit Chapman, which is hilarious. <laughs> Just the fact that she doesn't give a single flying fuck about any of the other controllers in this room. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, Tobias is paralyzed. Rachel in his feathers is paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep in mind, he's paralyzed in this, like, half-morph. He's he's partially morphed. Rachel can't hold on to his feathers while she's paralyzed. She falls off of him onto the floor. Um, and the hork that are not paralyzed pick Tobias up, stuff him in a tiny box, and carry him away. Uh, and uh, it's bad. Um, mm-hmm. Tobias... Tobias is freaking out because Rachel uh, can't demorph, or Rachel said she can't demorph because there's all the controllers around. Um, and also, like, he's not even sure if she can because she's paralyzed. Uh, and Rachel is concerned about Tobias being carried away, and she's supposed to be able to follow them and, you know, report to the others where the he plan. is. So they would know where to find him. Yes. And, like, this row. Um, with there's and, every chance she could get stepped on. Exactly. Just like she's in a super vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he's carried uh, to someplace else. He has no idea where. Um, he's panicking because he is trapped. Like, the box that they put him in is not big enough to hold him. Like, he is crammed tiny into this box. Um, and both the... And both the Andalite and the Hawk portion of him are fucking freaking the fuck out at being trapped in a box. Um, and we get, we get him thinking, uh, about just, I mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's spiraling. He's panicking. Um, and we, we get a, a bit here about the Hawk in him. It was crazy. Inconceivable arrogance on our parts. We had underestimated our foe. A fatal error. Fatal. The hawk brain, the animal part that still, even now, lived apart from me, untouched by human reason, began a low, defeated moan. A death moan. Which, like, is particularly interesting considering uh, what part the hawk part of tobias mm. plays in in the upcoming torture yeah um they get to where they're going and he is put into a cube of glass and it's described as being maybe four feet square big enough for him to move around in brightly illuminated uh suspended hanging in the center of a much larger room um, big Magneto's prisoner next to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tobias immediately demorphs back to Hawk because he doesn't want to get stuck as a weird half-creature. Um, and Taylor is there. And she says, you're stuck. You may as well demorph and be comfortable while we wait. And Tobias recognizes that to demorph would be... Uh, very a very bad idea because then he would have uh it would be easy for her to just like paralyze him and infest him again essentially or and to infest him period um and so he doesn't demorph he kind of stays quiet doesn't respond um and we get the description of a panel inset into the cube cage that he's in. It has three buttons on it, like elevator buttons. One is red, one is blue, and one is black. And she holds a, almost like a, a TV remote control that is the mirror to, to this panel. He reaches out to try to touch it and is immediately electrocuted. Um... Because, you know, doesn't want him to fuck with it. Uh, and then Visser 3 arrives. And Visser 3 is swaggering. He is putting on a show for Tobias's benefit. Uh, talking about how, um, they followed Axe to his scoop and killed him. How, um, they caught some of the others um and tobias although is although he is obviously concerned about this he recognizes that this has to be a lie 
Um, because if, if Visser 3 had found anyone, he would have tried to capture them first and foremost, instead of just straight up kill them. Um, and Visser 3 brings in the scientists, the two scientists who have been working on the anti-morphing ray, Sinigert and Singh. Uh, and these human controllers look fucking wrecked, haggard. They haven't slept in days, extremely fucking nervous. Who wouldn't be working on something as important as this under Visser 3? Um, and Visser 3 tells them to use the anti-morphing ray. And so they set it up and they push the big black button and nothing happens because, of course, Tobias isn't in morph to demorph. Uh, and Visser 3 is like, uh, so, so why isn't it working? My dudes. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the scientists are like, but it, it has to work. <laughs> In the way that you would say, oh, well, this was definitely working when I was doing it on my own, but as soon as my boss comes over to look at it, it's not working. Mm -hmm. um, and Visser 3 is like, all right, well, feed the scientists to the taxons slowly. And the Hork-Bajir begin to slowly lower the scientists into a hole in the floor that just has a fuck ton of taxons in it. Mm -hmm. um, and Visser 3 tells Subvisser 51, uh, make him demorph. Infest him. Do it however the fuck you want. But I'm just going to leave this to you. Uh, take care of this situation. Um, yeah, uh, this is your special speciality. Do not yes. disappoint me. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I have to give a detail to when the machine first powers up. So he's just like, very noisy machine. You'll want to work that out now, won't you? <laughs> Smooth uh -huh. out the detail. <laughs> just like uh -huh. fucking first test run. He's critiquing how noisy it is. Uh-huh. I love it. He fucking sucks. But yeah, yep. the, the casual, again, and this is what we've come back to before, and this isn't necessarily a Yerk thing. This is a Vissa 3 thing. Mm -hmm. of cruelly killing people that said we've talked before about how uh dragon beans are like a shredder but you know more painful because that's the point and just the act of it slowly like this is like dipping somebody in the piranha tank and this he's been watching bond movies this is mm -hmm. pure bond villainy happening right here who let Vesa three watch all these movies <laughs> um, but the visual of basically putting somebody through the experience of being eaten alive yeah, and still being alive while being eaten is horrifying and I appreciate that the text doesn't dwell on it but the fact that we just what is it, have that detail of uh, just that adjective slowly yeah Yep. Uh, Visser 3 likes his 4, I guess. Um, so, Taylor uh, basically tells Tobias, you can make this easy or you can make this difficult. Demorph now or else. Um, 
And also playing on the idea that if he doesn't demorph soon, he'll be stuck in morph. Um, and wouldn't he not want that? He will never be back to his Andalite body, yada, yada, yada. Um, Tobias muses on the resemblance to Rachel in Taylor. Um, and how the similarity is only skin deep. Um, although the, the comparison he uses inside, she and Rachel were like night and day. Or at least night and twilight. Which is perceptive and upsetting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then she reveals uh, the the other two buttons on the anti-morphing ray slash cube device uh, do things. And she pushes the big red button and three guesses what the big red button does. The big red button causes pain. Uh, and like intense, immediate being stabbed with a knife and it twisted in your gut pain. Um, and Taylor tells him to demorph. And this is the crux of the next 20 pages is Taylor hurting him and telling him to demorph, uh, or she'll continue to hurt him. Um, but (sighs) I don't really know how to talk about it (laughs) because it's really impactful to read. Um, it's one of these the- things where I think us trying to describe this is never gonna really yeah. convey yeah. what's happening. Um, and it sucks. Um, yeah. It's incredibly visceral. For all that it's not like explicit in like the horrible thing that is happening and the fact mm-hmm. that this torture is done literally this weapon this device affects brain chemistry so it really mm-hmm. it makes your brain register pain that isn't there yeah um and there is that desire to talk but um the hawk saves tobias at this point because the hawk has just is ready to say okay so my life now involves pain yeah all right yeah doesn't like it but is accepted its reality. Mm-hmm. Um. It's. I'll just read this little bit because it's very good. Um. Indescribable pain, staggering pain, pain that ate into me, chewed at my guts, twisted every nerve ending. Had to make it stop. Had to make it stop. Tell her. Tell her. Make it stop. Tell her. Tell her. Tell her. Me, the human me, the boy inside, kept screaming, tell her, tell her. But the hawk, the hawk suffered dumb, helpless. The hawk had no way out. The me that was a bird, the body, the physical me, didn't know that there was a cause for the pain. Didn't know it could make the pain end. And already, for the hawk, the pain had become a fact of life, reality. Life was hunger. Life was killing. Life was danger. Life was pain. The hawk could manage it. Not on a conscious level, of course, but by shutting down, 
keeping alive on a sort of primitive autopilot. Only essential parts of the organism were maintained. No contemplation, no decision, not even observation, just survival. The boy Tobias screamed. The hawk Tobias had already begun to accept the pain. Pain off, gasping. Pain on, screaming. Off, on. Tell her everything. Pain is normal. Life is pain. Make it stop. Go away, human. Go away, little boy. The hawk knows. The predator understands because he understands nothing. Let go, I mumbled to myself. Let go of yourself. What was that you said? Taylor asked. Irrelevant. She was nothing. I was the hawk. Deeper into the hawk. Go away, weak human boy. I seemed to stand outside my body. Hawk, human, everything. My mind began to race. The manic frenzy of madness up above it all. A wave of self-pity followed by a wave of hatred, followed by the unbearable weight of despair. The pain sped everything up, faster and faster, panic, fear, sadness. But somehow, using the half of me that was equipped to process pain, I was enduring it. Close down your human mind. It's your only hope, I told myself. Focus on the hawk. Focus on the part of you where the pain is less subversive, less destructive. Sink into your hawk self, Tobias. Deep into your raptor self. Um. Uh, but then he begins to have flashbacks. Um, even as he endures this pain. Um, now, uh, one of the things that, um, I have done some reading on, uh, partially in preparation for the Wump fic that Jade and I are writing, and partially just because I... It sounds bad to say I like reading about this stuff, but it's interesting to read, uh, and my brain likes to learn new things, um, mm -hmm. is, like, the contrast between torture and what it actually does in real life versus torture and what it does in media. Um, torture in media is portrayed as this thing that you do in order to get someone to talk. Like, you see it in a lot of police dramas because police violence against people they're interrogating um, can in some in some uh, instances be considered torture. In order to be considered torture, it has to be like the, the, the technical definition, it has to be done by a, like a, a, a government entity. But regardless. Um, and what actually bears out in reality is that torture as a tactic does not work. Um, like, period. Uh, and in like over 90% of, of cases in this one, um, like survey study they did, torture didn't even, uh, succeed at getting them to like write down their own name, um, let alone betray people that they care about. Um, and it, it, it is very destructive in media to portray it as working because obviously that serves to 
justify to many people its existence and continued use in real life. Um, like, obviously not, this is a very sci-fi premise with the way that this machine works. But the, the idea of someone capturing an enemy of the military and torturing them for information about where they get people is something that currently happens in the world and has happened very recently in United States history and probably continues to happen um, in, in it's ways that aren't necessarily publicized right now. But also, it like just to elaborate a little on what, what you're saying, is it, the portrayal of torture in the media, both the fictionalized kind um, mm-hmm. and also the way it is reported on, mm-hmm. like I am, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but like I was, um, I'm quickly doing maths, 14 uh, when September 11th happened. Mm-hmm. And so I was a teenager and coming into y- uh, like young adulthood when the war on terror was happening. So I was just a little bit older than the Animorphs mm-hmm. when all that was going on. And I remember like a lot of like the coverage of Guantanamo Bay. Um, that, and like you'd periodically get these like, Think pieces come out and reports of the American military and CIA um, torturing prisoners. Yeah, for information. And like, I could live without knowing what waterboarding is, but I do know mm-hmm. because that is a reality of the world we live in. That forces in power try to use suffering to get information. And let me be clear, the UK, uh, like the SAS and like government agencies, there is equal like blood on hands. And I'm not using that term lightly. And it doesn't matter how much science proves, Hey, this doesn't work. People can say, will say anything to get it to stop. A lot of the time, even if mm-hmm. they know nothing, they will s- say anything. This is the information you get out of somebody under duress is nigh on always fallible, if not outright false. Mm-hmm. As it is like witness statements are difficult enough, frequently, Aaron, you really can't trust witness statements. But mm-hmm. the proliferation in media of people showing, no, this works. We know it's bad, but this is for the protection of our nation. It's just like, nah, guy. Yeah. Torture is a heinous thing. The expressed desire to cause pain and distress to a body in order to achieve something. Yep. It's disgusting and inhumane. And I appreciate that this portrayal of it is, one, it doesn't work. And two, 
we, yes, we do see Tobias get to a point of breaking, but it still wouldn't get Taylor the result she wanted. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the honesty in that. Yeah. And what's important about Taylor as a character is that she is specifically painted as sadistic. Mm -hmm. um, this is somebody that takes joy in what they're doing. And this is, we find out about Taylor, and I'm not going to use the phrase mentally ill, because what we've talked a lot about the demonization of the mentally ill and how they're more likely to be the subject of violence than commit violence. Mm -hmm. But we find out about Taylor is that she was already very traumatized and was a volunteer controller. And she and the Yerk that infests her are very much sort of an amalgamation at mm -hmm. this point. Like the two are inextricable and the way they talk about each other and simultaneously being themselves. Mm -hmm. And like, the Yerk talks about Taylor, but as it, as if it's itself. Mm -hmm. And there's a, you could say there's something interesting about somebody that's got such this disconnect occurring, winding up being this torturer. But again, this also has to be like agency. This is somebody that feels like they lost everything, coupled with the yerk mentality of you must get results or you will die combining mm -hmm. in this really horrifying way i'm not saying i'm sympathetic towards taylor uh, i do think she's quite an interesting character um yeah for all the missteps like i think it there's a lot of very interesting stuff going on but as like given what we were talking earlier about the way jake has changed Mm -hmm. You can't help it that this is a deliberate thing of what who Taylor has become. Yes. Yeah. And you're also like, when you are forced to do a thing and then you become good at it, like, that also is like a self-preservation thing. Just like, okay, I'm going to find weird perverse joy in doing this because otherwise I want to die. Mm-hmm. I was watching a video essay about a book that just had somebody dealing with like the trauma that comes from having to execute people. Mm. And like, there's a reason why, um, back in the day when we still did, um, like execution in this country, that the identities were always kept anonymous and it wasn't always the same person mm -hmm. because being the person that has to do the thing is not good for you. It, it will fuck you up. Mm -hmm. Even the people that maybe get a, a level of enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. It's gonna mess you up. Yep. It's, uh, there's, there's also just like the, the way that Taylor, we, we've talked a lot about duality in, like the last book and also in this book with Tobias. And we see that in Taylor as well. Taylor is a dark mirror, um, of Tobias, but also of Rachel. 
um it's like a, a lampshade a is hung they, at it at the end yeah yeah they keep mentioning how much taylor looks like rachel yeah and it's it's to uh, almost foreshadow what she could become and in that way i think it serves as a really important contrast because Rachel isn't Taylor. She doesn't act like Taylor. And yeah, even Rachel at her most gun-ho, like, hell yeah, face first into the fight, enjoying the thrill of the fight, she doesn't take joy in hurting people. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the last book, when she was murder-happy, she didn't, Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to torture you to death. It was, oh, I'm going to snap your neck. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's, Taylor is a fascinating character, and I love how mm. complex they have made her. While also, like, like there's, there's that edge of sympathy, but it's very much that cool motive, still murder. Still murder. <laughs> Um, yeah, like she's given the grace by the writer of complexity. Yes, her behavior is never excused, but you get a picture of how she might have got to be this. Yes, yes. Um, also paints a picture of um, how the Yerks, and not just the Yerks, but just I said forces looking like okay, fascism preys on weak people or people who are suffering, people that feel they don't have anything else, mm -hmm. and they weaponize that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we saw it with um, we've seen it before, like the way uh, oh they prom promise you the world, I oh, will fix that for you, I oh, will make it better. Mm -hmm. You won't have to feel this way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, it. This is such. I love this book so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, and just like the portrayal of the way that Taylor Taylor breaks down over the course of this book. You know, she starts mm -hmm. out as this kind of like power happy, in control person, sadistic yeah, person very, who's very funny games. Yeah. If ever, if... Um and she just gets more and more frustrated with the fact that it isn't working, that she just like it it, it spirals down. And there's actually a really cool moment that we'll get to in a little bit. Um that I find just like raw as hell and fascinating. Um, but it speaks to the fact that torture isn't complicated. Hurting people is easy. Uh, the majority, the vast majority of torture is just beating someone to a pulp. Um, and uh, torturers get frustrated. They lose their patience. Uh, they will, uh, 
go too far because they get impatient and bored. Um, it's the portrayal in this book is, I think, probably one of the better ones with regards to, to torture as a narrative device. Um, because it's, and like this affects Tobias going forward. This isn't totally swept under the rug and forgotten. And Tobias, the way that the Animorphs care for Tobias and the way that the narrative never treats Tobias as weak or, or like some kind of failure for going through this, for even like breaking partway through, like he's, it's a very compassionate uh take which is a strange thing to say talking about torture <laughs> um but the the narration treats tobias with a very strong sense of compassion um and it's it's just very well done if you can stomach this kind of stuff i highly recommend you read this book um and i know i say that for some, a lot of these books but like this one in particular, it does a lot of really interesting stuff in uh, sometimes in a subtle way, sometimes in not a subtle way, but always in a way that is satisfying. Um, at least to me. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's a very tactful and thoughtful portrayal hmm. um so tobias starts having these flashbacks uh the first one we see is a detailed flashback of him and his uncle um and we get a picture of tobias's uncle here as someone who doesn't care at all about Tobias. Tobias uh, is talking about how he's like one, he, he's got this honor because like he drew something and submitted it to this thing in art class and it made the state show. Um, and, you know, Tobias is asking if his uncle will take him to the prize winner's reception that weekend. And his uncle is just like, no, what's the point of that? Um, his uncle asks, like, oh, do you get, do you get any prize money for it? No. So what's it worth? Is it going to help? If it's not going to help pay the bills, what's it like? It's worth nothing. And we get the, the very heartbreaking sight of Tobias then beating up on himself for bringing it up. Um, you know, it's, it wasn't like it was a big deal, but also it is a really big deal to him. And he's just telling himself it's not a big deal so that he doesn't just fucking break. Um, he goes upstairs and is crying and sees across the street, uh, a mom and her daughter get out of the car and the girl's carrying like this finger painting that the mom carries like it's the Mona Lisa and like, my baby boy. 
it, it's, it, it, uh, go ahead. No, I, I don't, I don't have words. I'm just sad. You're <laughs> fair. Um, and we have this moment of at the end, he starts, uh, he goes to like wipe the tears away from his face and it's, um, fat, he sees feathers instead of fingers and he, starts yelling but what's interesting is for me reading this is he has a few of these flashbacks and it's always turning into the hawk that pulls him back Mm -hmm. Uh, this duality saving him but also it doesn't take away the shitty thing that's happening Mm -hmm. as as danielle said sometimes this book is very subtle sometimes it's less subtle (laughs) um but it's, uh, we, we have that first from Maria and, uh, he sort of breaks out of the, the flashback and we get this faux sympathy from Taylor. Just like, do you think I like doing this? And then we like mall rat giggle. Um, mm-hmm. and then I'll break you. I will. Now demorph and delight. Surrender and the pain wind. And the light glows red. The pain's out. The pork is like, flapping wildly trying to get away but there's nowhere to go he's dimly aware or that he says had i been more aware i would have noticed it sprayed when there's like broken feathers all over the bottom of this cube uh he's exhausted and taylor just readily out and here we go again um then we get another flashback of him uh getting bullied Mm-hmm. Um, this kid called Rick Stathis and how he, um, he wants to run, take the long road, but he'll be found eventually, beat him up. Uh, and then it shifts to Arya, which was obviously the, uh, the mask that Visa 3 wore. Um, and he talks about being a dupe, how it's false hope, how to never trust, never. And Taylor just keeps talking about how I'm bored. Uh, just come on, just demorph. But again, we cut back to him, this memory of him at school, uh, being slammed against a locker. Um, and then as he falls from that, uh, he goes to cup his nose that's bloodied and it, he feels the beak. And then he's at Jake's attic, uh, trying to get into like Tupperware to eat food and that him being stuck like that like those first few days of just being the hawk um clearly he says something about wanting to go home out loud because uh taylor is mocking him again and we get that i'm gonna read this because this Mm -hmm. is fucking incredible writing yeah Um, yeah your people are trillions of miles away they grow weaker every day there is no one to save you the prey I was the prey. I was the hunted in every story of animal cruelty Cassie ever told us about. The Canada goose clubbed to, clubbed to death on the golf course. I felt my skull shatter. My confused, terrified cries, chilling, jubilant grunts of aggression from the boys with baseball bats. The fly lying quivering and scared on the concrete as two classmates pulled off first one wing, then the other. A scientific experiment, they said. I felt appendages rip off my body wall. 
the drone of plane engines, a frightened man-made shadow, a frightening man-made shadow trailing me, tracking me, responding to every turn I made. I was the wolf across untouched snow that glared in the sunlight, paws pounding. Breathe, breathe, breathe. I was the wolf I'd seen so many times in the video clip. That wolf with foam trailing from its mouth, exhaustion and terror in its eyes. The men in the planes shot everyone else in my pack. From the air, high-powered binoculars and a rifle. Big game hunters who say I ruin their sport. So they will chase me down. Chase me until I can't run anymore and fall, heart exploding, onto the plane. Victim of slaughter. Better for the wolf who cannot fathom the evil depths in their predators' hearts. Who sees this merely in terms of nature's hierarchy? Man is smarter. Man has run wolf down the way wolf runs down the caribou. But I am wolf and human. I see more. Visser 3 towered huge and horrific above an injured Elfangor. Clothed, closed him in monstrous jaws. The Visser's shrill cries of victory rang in my head. Elfangor, the father I never knew. My link to everything strong, enduring, and good in the universe. Murdered. Anger boiled inside me. A rage, a rage whose power made me shake. Energy that rose up and took control, infested me. I will end him. I will end that yerk. The hatred carved away at my insides, scarred me, scraped me clean. Let, leave me free, I pleaded, but the anger wouldn't go. And I shot toward the earth in full dive, opened my wings quickly to slow my descent, glide in, glide faster, ready now, talons strained forward, outstretched, closed over the prey, punctured the skin, into the heart, around the skull, too efficient for the squirrel to scream. A bone-chilling wail. What? Hadn't I killed it? Back up. Power hard to reach the trees, blood dripping from my talons, a warm, wriggling body, body flailing to break free. To live. The hawk in me tightened its hold. The human in me screamed, and screamed again. I don't want to do this. A life extinguished in an instant. Agony, death, so that I could survive. I looked down. There were no talons there. No, only human fingers. Blood-covered fingers, strangled by my human hands. And I shot towards the earth at a full dive, spread my wings wide to slow my descent. Easy, easy now. Talons sprang forward and reached. The hawk grabbed his eyes in anguish. Blinded, I rose in the air to reach sufficient altitude to dive and strike again. And as I flew, I felt the burden of a thousand wounds, each one fresh and vivid in my mind, weighing me down. How can you carry such a weight? All the pain I had inflicted, seemingly inevitable, perhaps avoidable. Strikes made by me. A hawk, a warrior, a ruthless kid. One deafening shriek comprised of all of, comprised of the voices of all those I had faced in combat overpowered me, shook me. Hawk Bajir, Taxon, Rabbit, Squirrel, Human. My head filled with screams, everything red, excruciating, endless, endless. Violent images rushing past like the landscape out a car window. Was this payback? Was that it? And then, silence. Peace. Slowly, completely, the agony drained away. The red circle flickered and dimmed. Boys having a hard time. 
having a real shit time. It's so good. It's incredibly well written. Like, very, like, mm, come on, words. The problem with reading some good writing, you're then like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's wonderful to see how well um, this writer has captured all these like disparate elements of Tobias, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sort it's sort of drawing everything together, all these aspects of himself and how one informs the other, and just highlights just how empathetic he is mm-hmm. and how. <clears throat> how he carries the weight of what he does. He's not naive about it. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's important for us to see that aspect of Tobias, because obviously we've seen re- in recently, like a lot of the kids coming to terms with the way they think about it and the things they're willing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, for Tobias, it's like that understanding of what he is and also hating what he is mm-hmm. or Less hating and more understanding and like recognizing the tragedy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to get that quote later about life, um, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly good in, you know, our opinions. But um, just what it means to live, what it means to fight, and this, seeing this respect that Tobias has mm-hmm. for the lives that he's ended. Yes. Yeah, and he, you, he, the way he told it, he's like, no, I did this. There's no distancing of himself from his actions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an, Interestingly, especially when we were talking about earlier about the way Jake will make choices so other people feel like they have agency or he doesn't have to ask them to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas here is Tobias like, no, I do this. Yeah, it sucks. I've killed loads of people. And I like that he doesn't put necessarily the weight of different lives. Mm-hmm. Like, Unlike other characters have been portrayed, um, a Hawkbajer life is worth no less than a human life. The fact that yeah. he's killed rabbits and squirrels to eat in its way is just as tragic as killing the taxons and the Hawkbajer and maybe even human controllers as part of this war. It's all, yes, there's a reason why it had to happen, but that doesn't make the ending of a life an easy thing nor should mm-hmm. it be an easy thing mm-hmm. I remember um, forever ago I can't remember when exactly uh, in a horribly uh, on the nose thing um, I don't know if it's still there the you, uh, the UK British Army website had like a personality quiz that you could do. 
and it would suggest various career paths in the army that they felt would be a good fit for you based on your attitudes on certain things. Mm. Um, I was doing a lot of quizzes at the time. This was the Quizilla heyday. Yeah. I was bored. Um, so I did this quiz and the first thing I got was, um, something like inventory, like heavy weaponry <laughs> inventory. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to feel about that. And I remember chatting to my dad about it, I think, and about how a desirable trait is, well, it depends, I suppose, on different attitudes, but you don't want somebody that will pull a trigger willy-nilly. Mm. You don't want trigger-happy people because they're dangerous. Somebody that is fully aware of what's going to happen when they pull the trigger is much more useful as a soldier because mm -hmm. they don't do the action lightly. Yeah. And seeing this aspect of Tobias. And it's just, it's incredibly good and insightful and written in a way that works so interestingly. Like, there's this, uh, you can see the parallel between like, physical pain versus like or like on a level with emotional trauma and how mm -hmm. your brain probably lights up the same way and so of course he's revisiting trauma while his body is experiencing this extreme sensation yeah mm -hmm. um but hey things are about to get worse <laughs> <laughs> taylor uh, realizes yeah, Taylor, smart lass. Uh, first off, to be fair, I love that she goes and just shoves a hawk for sheer. He's like, <laughs> doesn't really move because, like, she's still, like, presumably, like, a 16, 17 year old girl trying mm -hmm. to shove an eight foot tree lizard. But, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the hawk bajir doesn't say anything. Smart, uh, hawk bajir. Mm -hmm. And she really says, I'm an idiot. Of course, a pain ray can't break you. You're using your morph as a shield. Because a sentient creature would long have wilted from this much, um, and realizes that's what's keeping him alive. And uh, it was about here, dear readers, that I realized that this actually hasn't been going on that long. Uh huh. Like Tobias is with Taylor, not much longer than two hours. Mm-hmm. But you it fucking feels long reading it. Like that was why I was, oh shit. But I think like obviously in the way we see like people being taken prisoner and stuff like that, it goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Uh which does for me make the fact that when the rest of the animals show up, just like, oh, they did not stop just trying to get into where he was, did they? Yes. Mm -hmm. But um mm -hmm. She and Taylor's just like, okay. So, and she like flips through the manual the scientists have left. And, uh, we find out, um, what the blue light does. Like, first we get this moment of, uh, it's all about contrast, don't you think? Taylor asks. That's the way life is, eh? You don't know pain unless you know pleasure. You don't know what it is to be strong unless you've been weak. Isn't that right, Andalite? I don't know. I managed to say, let me know if you ever become strong. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yes. And then she's like, you think I'm weak now? I have you in my power. You think I'm weak? No, I was weak. Now I'm strong. 
I know the difference. And when you submit, you will know the difference too. And then the blue light goes on, or the blue circle. And this is activating the pleasure centers of Tobias's mind. And we get to see him experiencing joy and contentment and happiness. And this is so much work. <laughs> yep. Um, like, well, cause we get to see what these wonderful moments are for Tobias, which is like kind of heartbreaking because a lot of them are very simple. Cause yeah. he's a 13 year old. It's things like jumping on a trampoline or like picking wild raspberries, like the feel of sun on the face. And we hear about this, uh, making eyes at this professor powers mm -hmm. who's like, when he was a kid, like gave him like homemade cinnamon rolls and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, gave her the, gave him the illusion of home. And they're all very simple things. Um, very easy to relate to. And we get the moment from Taylor, like he has 12 minutes left, quote, in morph. Mm -hmm. And then she starts flipping between the pain and the pleasure. This is a huge problem because the hawk doesn't know how to process this pleasure. Uh, we get this bit here. Pleasure. The blue button was pleasure. Intense, continuous, out of control. The hawk didn't know pleasure. Satisfaction. Yes, the satisfaction of a good kill, the meal that followed, but happiness? Don't leave me, Tobias the Hawk. I know what she will do. I know what the foul yerk will do, but oh, oh, no sadness, no fear, all gone. Happy, joyful, such happiness, not for a hawk. Pleasure was human domain, purely human. And the hawk abandons him. And it's just Tobias the boy in the clutches as she hits the pain button again. We have this moment of Taylor mocking him. Um, mm -hmm. like, You'll never run free again. Never use that fantastic television. You'll die so soon. How long does a hawk live? Which just... Mm. Mm -hmm. Because then we have Rachel, no, no, the subvisor. I want you with me to be part of me, my life, not to die a bird, not to die for nothing. And he's able to sort of get into these memories of Rachel. Um, listening to the waves crash over the rocks, flying to her house, tapping on the window, um, and just, I love this. This is very good. Just, it's early in the morning. Hey you, she whispered with a smile. Ready for some fun? You know it, Soaring Hawk. The others say morphing makes even Rachel look bad, and I can understand. It strains the definition of beauty. But to me, she looked natural and strong. I liked watching her change. She was an eagle now. And we just get this amazing little mo memory of he and Rachel flying together, catching thermals, diving. And uh we weren't a hawk and an eagle on this morning. We were two humans rejoicing in the greatest pleasure we'd ever know, enjoying the gift Alfangle had given us, rising toward the brilliant, dazzling sun. 